episode 23, Waxback Record, myself, Brian Walton, Dan Hewitt, and Ryan Slaughter. This episode, we're bringing you a special guest interview with the legend that is Eric Norton. Guy from Fat Packs, Beckett Media, all-round hobby legend. You'll be hearing from him very shortly. But before we get to Eric, you're going to hear us guys uh, chatting a bit of dribble for five minutes or so, so please bear with us. Right, gentlemen, a couple of weeks since we last got together. Uh, anything exciting happening in the hobby world? Let's start with you, Mr. Dan Hewitt. Yeah, well, you sucking me into uh, you sucking me into top twenty twenty a little bit more, didn't you? So, uh, you know, the, the peer pressure building pulled the trigger on one more card, I think. Did I, Derek Jeter? I think I've got two of them now. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was the one we, we bought. We bought it all together, didn't we? We got the economies of scale on it. That one, yeah. Um, yeah, we got the side pack. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So yeah, you've so you've sucked me into that, but I, I can't complain because it's a, it's a it's a nice card. Um, NFL wise, I uh, I went a bit mental. Don't tell the wife on the uh, on on the um, fire sale the other day. <laughs> Ended up spending way more than I was expecting because I didn't even think it was going to be about for the sale. And then I asked him if there was any giants, and he went, "No, nah, there's only one or two. You probably won't be interested." I was like, "Okay." Fair enough. And then I found myself literally watching the fire sale and one of ones were going up and there was pretty much every Giants card that went up I hadn't got. And I was like, oh, yeah. So uh, Pocket got stung this week, just a little bit. You've had a chance to sell one of your one of ones haven't you? But I believe your uh, stalker is, it, has backed off. It's, yeah, it's a little bit. No, he's back and it's a little bit in limbo. He, uh well, basically, obviously, as as all the listeners know, I've got a one on one PC, but I've I've always been of the opinion of the the sort of good karma approach, in the fact that I collect one on ones, and that if if somebody was a super collector or was needed one of the one of ones for a rainbow, um, I've always been of the opinion that I would quite happily let one go to to that person. Um, if it's just somebody who wants one, well, tough. It's in my PC, so you're not having it. But you know, if you are that, if you are that super collector of the player, and I've got one, then I quite happily look one out for you. Um, and it's a it's a Devin Hester one of one that that he was interested in. He has come back to me. He's tagged me in his Instagram. Um, does seem a pretty serious Devin Hester <laughs> collector. In fairness, from his from his Instagram, so I need to get back to him tomorrow. As, I said I would, so we might, yeah, we'd probably be coming to a deal on that, and he can, uh, he can have that. It'd be better in his collection than it would in mine, anyway. So, I think what had myself and Ryan a bit worried was when you were sending the screenshots of him messaging you at three in the morning, saying, "Hi, buddy, I'm bored." We oh yeah, that, that, yeah, that was weird. There was, there was more than cars being transferred. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, that, well, listen, I woke up to that message and that disturbed me as much as it disturbs you two. <laughs> I don't so, think he quite gets the. Uh, I don't think he quite gets the, the time difference thing because he, he tech a lot of times when he's messaging me, he's messaging me at like eleven o'clock at nine. It's like I really can't be bothered to reply. But obviously, over and on their time, it's it's probably like just tea time, isn't it? It's a not perfectly normal time to message somebody. So why he's sending yeah. you text messages and not just like rolling over in the night and tapping you to wake you up? It's a mystery to us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what have you been up to, mate? Any uh, purchases? Yeah. Um, where are we up to now with Project 2020? Um, so we did Blake Jameson, uh, obviously picked up Bob Gibson, um, Sif, uh, picked up another two Sif, Gregory Sif cards, and another two Bob Gibson cards. And tonight, hopefully, we'll uh, just waiting on uh, an eBay auction to end um, on a couple of Darrington Evans from Score. 
So, um, so that's pretty much what I'm collecting at the moment. Darrington Evans and, uh, and Project 2020. Yeah. Uh, Collector-wise, I've been snapping up some, some Project 2020s. I've expanded my collection from all 20 Griffey cards. I've got uh, one was released today. Uh, I've got every Griffey card now apart from the original King Saladin, which uh, three weeks ago was selling on eBay for $1,600, $1,700. Uh, the last couple of days, you can get it for about two eighty five. Uh, I start watching cards. I watch all of them, and I'm being offered like 2% discounts to get it for like two eighty and stuff. But I'm going to hang in there until it gets down to $120, $130. might take me four or five months because that is going to be the shortest print Griffey. But I'm not going to uh, spend an obscene amount of money when I know it's going to be at a reasonable price in, in four or five months' time if you have to wait that long. Uh, I expanded from just the Griffiths, as I said, and I'm trying to get one card from each player from his collection, so it's 20 to make a separate set. I think we've already got about 15 of those, and we're running up to about card 115. So there is a bit of money going out, but there are bargains to be had out there now. People are, are selling at an alarming rate. Uh, from a football perspective, I've got my watch list up, but no new products have come out that I like. Uh, score I didn't like at $80 a time, so I'm not going to like it at $200 a time, so the prices are, are mental. Uh, the Hunter Bryant, Hunter Bryant PC, uh, one of his cracked ice college autos ends tomorrow night, I think it is. I'm the only bidder at the moment, so hopefully Ryan delays this until that, that that's finished and is in my possession so I'm the only bidder. <coughs> if someone goes, oh, someone sniped it and tried to sell it from me, uh, but I've been quite lucky in the fact that the Danny Dimes I got last time I, I, in exchange for that Mahomes, which was silly, stupidly priced at $300 when me and Dan thought it was a $10 insert. Uh, I turned that into, into the, the Daniel Jones floors, which I razzed off, razzed off for uh, about £320 over here, so I got that. Razzed off my Aaron Rodgers uh, rookie PSA 10 for another couple of, hundred do- couple of hundred dollars a couple of days ago. So money's coming from that. So at the moment, the hobby is paying for itself uh, from there. So, but we shall see. Is there any new products coming out in the next couple of weeks from the, from the football side? Do we know? Not as I'm aware of. Not as I'm aware of. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing huge on the horizon. We, we should apologise to our listeners, probably both of you, for for not having as much up to date information as we normally have, because we have just finished uh, an interview with Eric Norton. And we decided just to stay on, despite the fact it's near enough midnight now, and give you guys 10 or 15 minutes of, uh, of stuff before we move on to Eric's interview. So I think Gold Standard has been, the, the preview of that has, has been out. But um, again, it'll be interesting to see what, what that's priced at when it the arrives. Previews keep, they keep, we keep releasing previews, but then there's nothing sort of concrete in terms of, in terms of when anything's coming out. I have tried to follow the um, Rookie Premier, which they said was, was was delayed for the Black Lives Matter, um, but then I haven't seen any more information on the rookie yeah, premier. Either. They did that Whether today. I've just missed it today. Oh, have they done that today? Right, yeah, yeah I have missed it then. Yeah, yeah, today we had the running backs today, so that's right, a, okay. we're 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 back on. So I'd expect to. Um, well, we're, but we are literally receiver. a week after. We're we're a week after when we were supposed to be receiving that on the other two weeks. Yeah, so they had the the the, the delay in, in terms of respect, and now um, they've released uh, the running backs today. So um, uh, Darrington Evans is there. Um, so uh, yeah, was was has it delayed? Sorry, delayed the premier. I was going to say, so, is, is my boy DJ Dallas in there? That Seahawks fourth round pick. 
I doubt it very much, but oh, um, cool. I can run through them if you want. Uh, AJ Dillon, Darrington Evans, Zach Moss, Cam Akers, uh, da, 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 Antonio Gibson, which is weird. Sorry, that's just my own personal preference there. Um, uh, Lynn Bowden, um, Keyshawn Vaughan, uh, Joshua Kelly, um, Michael P. Ryan, and Anthony McFarlane. Um, I'll be honest, there's a couple in there that make very nice prospecting, but a couple in there that are just duds. So, um, But people will get try and get the product. Excellent stuff. I saw some uh, some Origins sketches come out on Twitter today, so that looks like to be the the next one. That's always the first rookie one where they're in their rookie uniforms because they're always uh, just sketches, really, aren't they? So with the double zero, which which seems to upset most people that collect. So these guys, these guys got their numbers in oranges. Okay. Apart from um, Darrington Evans, got a double zero, which is pretty annoying but most others and then weirdly um cam Akers is in um a florida state uniform rather than in rams so i'm just guessing these are just mock-ups really just to push this out and then we'll get proper mock-ups in a couple of weeks it's probably because they're still behind with the uh, the process and actually yeah. getting the product out yeah. because of the the plants being shut down for so long there's such a backlog so there we go Right, guys, anything else we want to let our adoring public? Well, the adoring public is, is Dan's wife, and that's about it, and the three other people that listen to it. Anything else we want to, to run past them before we move on to our, our extensive interview with uh, the legend that is Eric Norton? No, it was crack on. Great interview. Crack on. Well, here we go, then, guys, as we've, we've trailed nonstop the last 15 minutes. Here is our exclusive interview with Fat Pack's Eric Norton. Special guest time here from the boys at Wax Practical. We're joined by one of the hobby's heavy hitters in more ways than one. Uh, legend in his own uh, lunchtime, evening time, all round a good egg. Uh, guy who works for Beckett now and is host of the uh, extremely essential listening Fat Packs po- podcast, uh, Mr. Eric Norton. Eric, thanks for uh, giving us uh, some of your time. We really appreciate it, mate. That's, that's one hell of an intro. Can we get you guys to like follow me around and do that wherever I go? <laughs> You fly solo, mate, and we'll certainly do it without a doubt anyway. So. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Right, Eric, I... We all, all know your work and stuff, but for some of our guys over here that aren't so uh, so into the hobby as we are over here, uh, just uh, let us know what you do at Beckett and uh, how you got into the hobby to start with, please, mate. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I'm, I was formerly the hockey analyst. That's what I did um, before I, I do my current job. So I, I started at Beckett as the coin analyst, I lied my way into that position. I didn't know anything about coins, and uh, I, I told him I did, but I did it to work my way into uh, into Beckett. So then, uh, after about a year or so, I I um, was able to get moved over to the to be the hockey the hockey price guide analyst, which is where I worked up until about oh, January of this year. And now I'm the social media manager. Uh, I handle all the social media accounts. So if it's BGS, BAS. CBCS and Beckett, you're getting me just so everybody out there who's listening will know you're getting me. I'm a real person. I'm not a bot. And uh, I'm happy to talk to you there. As far as getting into the hobby, man, uh, 1987 Tops was was the set. Uh, I just bought a box of that this weekend, actually. $30. A year ago, they were $15. Now they're $30. They doubled in price. Um, 
87 tops was the set. I love Bo Jackson. That Bo Jackson rookie was uh, the whole reason for me me getting into the hobby and, and collecting it. And then where it, where it took an odd turn was um, as much as I loved 87 tops, like in, into the into the 90s, I became just like every every other American kid, probably worldwide kid. I, I became a huge Bulls fan because they were just on top of the world. I got heavy into basketball in the 80s. Oh, I'm sorry, in the 90s. And uh, just just been been there ever since. And I love it. Awesome stuff. Is it quite common at Beckett? Is everyone that works uh, into the hobby in a in a collecting point of view, or uh, are there quite a lot, lot of people, guys and girls, there that just see it as a kind of a, a job and a career for themselves? Um, well, I think if you if you took a poll at Beckett, I think you would find that um, yeah, everybody's involved in the hobby at some point. Maybe some maybe some people who work on the production end are are not so much because they're they're really just uh, maybe getting into it. But the guys who have been at hobby, especially the graders, I, I work with a guy in my department who who's been there for 25 years, and the graders have all been there for most most of them have been there for over over a decade, and it's you know you can see their passion for what they do, and, and most everybody there has you know has a set that they're working on, if not you know a personal a PC or something like that. But I think it's fair to say that. Across the board, everybody's a collector, or at least they dabble in the hobby of some sort. Okay, just saying about grading there, that's really uh, taken off the last couple of years especially. How many graders do you actually have at Beckett? Because no one seems to know a sort of an idea. Right. Um, I, I think there's 15 or uh, – I don't I – don't, I want to just be completely transparent with you. I don't work in grading. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. And I, I've said this before on other shows. Like I, I have to have permission to go down there and, and go get into those rooms and stuff. Uh, not not the grading, like not not like where they keep the cards, but like just to go back where the grading department is because everything's very secure back there. Um, so if we have a meeting with 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 those guys, it's usually um, outside in a, in a different conference room. Uh, so there's there's no security issues or anything like that. But with that being said, I think there's 15 or 20 guys, and I say that because I, I recognize faces that I see. You know, obviously I work with them. I've, I've worked with them for six years, but every so often I'll see some uh, I'll see some uh, some new guys that I, I, I think work there. <laughs> Is that a safe? To, I don't want to sound like an idiot when I say that, but I like I've seen no, them no. enough time. I've seen them enough times to know that they belong in the building. Uh, so, wh what exactly their job is, I don't know. <laughs> That's so cool. And just a, a last one on Beckett before uh, Ryan jumps in with a, a couple of questions for you. How's the uh, how's the pandemic really affected you guys at Beckett? Did you have to shut down for a while or? Yeah. So specifically where um, where Beckett is located, it's located in Dallas County in Texas, and um, our the the governor of Texas didn't didn't shut down the state. The county commissioner's office and the county judge of Dallas County shut down Dallas County. So while we were open with limited capacity, we um, absolutely had to uh, take take things a little bit slower because we just didn't have the people in the building that that we typically do did. Now as things are opening back up, uh, you would not believe the amount of packages that we receive on a daily basis now for for all of our services and. 
it's now we're we're trying to get gear back up and get into the full swing of things, and we and we're we're getting there, but it's it's incredible to see how the hobby has taken off through the pandemic. Ryan, I'll let you jump in now, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually got a follow up in there because I think that uh, you hit on something that we've we've been we've been talking about quite a lot recently. We talked about a couple of last shows, which is about the hobby and the pandemic. Um, it's you know for us, even just in the UK, like we've seen just I mean such massive growth over the last three months in the groups that mm-hmm. we're all involved in or run um interest in the even in the podcast unbelievably to people do listen um you know like you know and just 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 you could see that just this whole wave of new people coming into the hobby or coming back into the hobby um do you see obviously you're seeing that in terms of beckett are you seeing new people old people is it what, what do you think is really driving that um I think, you know, we've been seeing it actually for a while. And what what happened was this, this pandemic hit and what we were seeing in bits and pieces coming off of last year's national in Chicago with, you know, with Gary V being there and, and the guys from StockX being there and bringing in that sneaker culture. It started then. And what happened was this pandemic hit and everybody, uh, I'm, uh, guys, I'm 40, I'm almost 40 years old. And guys my age... When I'm bored, I have nothing to do. Let me look at my old baseball card collection, my old my old football card collection, and see if I can, you know, maybe sell some of this. And then you have the younger guys going, "All right, um, LeBron James, this card is really hot. I, you know, let let me pick up ten of these LeBron James cards and try to flip them." And because in sneak, with sneakerheads, flipping is a huge huge thing. So um, it's um. The, the, the sneakerhead connection to basketball cards is really simple to make. It's not it's not a far jump at all, and it's it just makes sense that you're seeing you're seeing all this kind of this new blood coming in, and all, at the same time this old blood that that had that had some kind of connection to the hobby to begin with, uh, kind of all meet in the middle, and where that middle is 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 sports cards and it's been a crazy crazy ride to watch the last three months. I don't know if you guys are, are aware of this, but on, I'm sure you are because you guys, you, you guys are smart, smart guys. But that Zion card, that Zion National Treasure card, sold on eBay for nearly a hundred thousand dollars on Sunday night. Um, yeah. Granted, we need to make sure that that's a confirmed sale, and and you know it's it's going to go through. <clears throat> but I heard still, he backed that, out. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did he already backed out? Oh, well, never mind. Screw that, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy he backed out I think the screenshot was on a couple of the groups earlier I think it might have been on Scammers page where they said the guys backed out and the excuse he gave was I didn't mean to bid I pressed it by accident well we both know you have to press you have to oh. press about five different times to make a bid on eBay so that's how it goes isn't it that's but so with, lame yeah yeah but when, when you've got uh, a couple of well known companies offering the half a million dollar bouncy for the Logan Man 101 yeah that's crazy shit, man. Let's be honest. Man, that is crazy. I know. I know both of those guys well. Who I know Nate. I don't know Nate. Like we're not best friends or anything. But Nate from Grand Slam. I know him well enough to know that he's legit about buying that card. And I also know the guys from Blowout well enough to know Adam Fish to know him well enough that he's he's legit about buying that card. That's that's big money. But I don't know if you guys saw this or not. But the there was a private collector that came in. 
and subtweeted on on blowouts on blowouts tweet that said I'll pay five fifty. So <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. And um, sort of in in terms of moving like what you do now. I mean, obviously, we're talking on a podcast platform. That's also been a massive dynamic over the last few years. It's growth in the hobby. Um, yeah. You know, we, you know, and you know, I listen to 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 your show a lot. Boys do, um, but it, it brings a great sense of community. And for us, obviously, it's amazing having you on the show um, because it cuts down those barriers. You know, there's Atlantic Ocean, but there isn't in the hobby. It's it's worldwide hobby. But why did you start up Fat Packs in the first place? Uh, so <clears throat> I've told this story a couple of times and it's, it's, a, it's, this is a true story. And I, and I got to take you back a little bit further than fat packs. Uh, I joined the army on a Tuesday cause I was bored. Like I didn't have anything to do. So I went down and joined the army. You guys, have you guys ever seen the movie stripes with Bill Murray? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Very much like that. I was like, you know what? I have nothing to do today. Let me go join the army. And that's a, that's a true story. I did that. I was bored because I was I was enrolled in a broadcast school, uh, and I couldn't pay for it. Like I was like I was looking at my looking at the tuition, going, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. So uh, the ar- the army was the answer, and I I joined the army thinking, oh, I'll go to school and get my degree, and I'll come out and I'll be a, a radio broadcaster or whatever. Well, that didn't happen. And 10 years later, I decided to go back to school and I got my, I got a business degree, but I still had like this passion to, to be a broadcaster. When I started at Beckett, they had a podcast called, uh, Beckett radio and it was decent. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the best iteration of, of what it became, but it was very inconsistent. It was getting like a hundred downloads a week, you know, and that's not, that's not great. And they were doing it every other week or every three weeks and, uh, one thing from podcasting, I think you guys will attest to as well, is you just got to be consistent. You got to give you got to give regular content, and you got to grow your fan base. Um, so with Fat Packs, what happened was um, the guy that was running Beckett Radio, he he left the department and took a took a job elsewhere in the company, and I just took over the I took over the <laughs> the uh, the podcasting part. And I, I looked at Paul, Paul, my my former co-host, and I said, Paul, you're coming with me. We're going to go do this. I basically volunteered him that he was going to go be my co-host. And um, we sat down, and what what was Beckett, what was once Beckett Radio turned into the Fat Packs probably within a week and a half, two weeks of each other because, like, the whole style and format changed, and we, we stayed on top of it. We stayed consistent. We had, we, we had a lot of fun with what we're doing, where Beckett Radio was more informational almost. Uh, I, I like to think that with fat packs, I had, a, you, you saw a lot more of my personality come out mm. and, um, that's, I, I think that's safe to say. I think it's fair. If you ask people who know me, they would say that too. But what now, what that's turned into is fat packs is no longer a thing. Uh, we, we, we've changed that now to Beckett live presents where, where we were doing a show once a week. Now we're doing three shows a week and, it's it's a live video cast, so it's a lot more. I, I have a lot more fun with this because it's live, and uh, I like the fan interaction. Where where you know when you listen to the fat packs, you you've got the show, and sometimes you might interact on the live on a live show. 
you're definitely getting a lot more interaction, and, and I enjoy that. And do you think that's the general direction of where a lot of platforms, because a lot of guys are going in in that way, in that format. I mean, like I said, we, we haven't got faces for uh, mm-hmm. for live, but uh, but a lot of guys are going that way with live platform shows. I think, if, I think yeah, I do. Um, and a lot of that, again, going back to Gary Vee, I think a lot of that has to go with, with Gary Vee and people in this hobby, at least for you know the last year, have listened to what Gary Vee has said and... And, you know, changed up their platform and their format about how they're how they're presenting material. Uh, Like I'm not I'm not on TikTok, but people who I know and I respect are on TikTok because because they think it's a good idea. It's going to help build their brand. Mm. And I think it's going to have I think it's it's especially with this pandemic. Again, back to the pandemic. People were sitting at home bored with nothing to do with a microphone and a camera. And they went, hell, I can do what they're doing. (laughs) <laughs> and they they tried to do it so yeah i think it's a big switch and i think it's at least at least the guys that do it good and do it well it's smart on their part and i it, i think there's a lot of audience there to have and there's a lot of audience there to share so yeah absolutely and what's your is that have you got any more plans for the future obviously we got no no national this year and stuff like that but normally with allow people to gravitate together and do other bits and pieces. But what, what plans have you got for the future with it? So obviously, well, this weekend we're the, uh, the Toronto expo is having their, mm-hmm. their virtual expo. So, um, with that, I, I just put it out on Twitter, but I'll tell you guys here too. Um, I'm in, inter- I have interviews with Kevin Nash set up. So if you guys are a nice. big wrestling fans, nice. we got, we got Kevin Nash, we've got Bushwhacker Luke. If you're a fan of the Bushwhackers, <laughs> And uh, I hope I'm, I'm glad it's virtual and not and not in person. I didn't want him to lick my head. And then uh, <laughs> and then on Saturday we have uh, NHL legend Boston Brewers legend Phil Esposito. So you know that's going to happen this weekend. We have uh, the industry summit coming up in September. Like that's going to happen. We're going to Vegas and we're going to have the industry summit, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't announce anything here, but Suffice to say, early bird registration opened up uh, on Monday the 15th, depending on when you guys are going to air this. Early bird registration opened up. And if you can make it to Vegas for for the entry summit, you're definitely going to want to be there. I can tell you that. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it's in Vegas. <laughs> awesome, <you> know? Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Dan- in Vegas, stays in Vegas, man, all the time. Right. <laughs> uh, Dan's going to come in and talk more about the hobby, I think. Sure. Yeah, sort of um, picking back up on what we'll be talking about a little bit in terms of um, in terms of Zion and um, you know the five hundred thousand dollar bounty on, on the card and, and whatever else. Looking at the, the the state of the hobby in general and sort of the way things are going and, and prices spiraling. Um, First question: Do you do you think it's sustainable? Honestly, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. I think this is what I think here. I don't know how I don't know how this worked over there across the pond, but everybody here got a stimulus check from the government, and I I I kid you not. The week those stimulus checks hit, the market went crazy and it continued like that for a little while now it's kind of calmed down a little bit but not 
it's not like it would it's not like it what it was back in March, but it's not exactly that, that far off either. Um, I I mean as a hobbyist, I, I mean I hope it sustains and people, you know, this we continue to thrive because when 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 the hobby's doing well, we all do well. But here's the thing: I've been doing this for a long time, and I've seen people make stupid decisions <laughs> spending money and. You guys are on Facebook. I'm sure you see it in rooms too. Or whenever I see a post on Facebook like, hey, uh, I need to sell this card, this card, and this card. I came into hard times. I'm sorry that that happened to you, but you probably should have been a little more diligent about how you were spending money in the first place. So does that make sense? I don't want to sound like an ass, but like. like no, yeah, to, to, to totally makes sense. Yeah, to, <laughs> totally makes sense. You just got to be like. I see cards that I want every day, but I know that it's just not financially sound to make those decisions right now, considering that we're, whether we want to admit it or not, we're, we're still in an economic downturn. You know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So do, do I really need to spend the, you know, $300 on, or like, for instance, there's a 1951 Topps ringside Rocky Marciano rookie I want. It's about $200 on average. Do I really need to spend that two hundred dollars, or you know, maybe food for my family this week is important too? Yeah, no, it's it's something. But you've just touched on something. What I raise with a lot of new collectors in the UK um, when they first get into the hobby, and I, I say one of the biggest factors that's going to affect what you collect is a budget. And mm-hmm. set a set a budget. Don't don't go over it. I mean, I uh, I drive a, a tiny little car, a Fiat Punto. I'd love to drive a Ferrari, but I can't afford one, so I drive right. a Fiat Punto instead. You know, it's and it's it's kind of like you've you've got to know where where your level is, and and there's no point wanting the thousand dollar card and only being able to buy one card a month or right. one card a, one card a year or whatever. It's not much of a hobby then, is it? It's no no fun in that really. Yeah, it's, there's no fun in that at all because. You're gonna at that point to what you're saying is it's gonna cause burnout, and where somebody might come into the hobby new and do that, I think you know within a, within a month or two months they might get some burnout and be like, well, this sucks because I can't I can't collect the way I want to. Well, again, look at your spending habits, look at your budget, and if you're going out, it's just like it's just like anything else. If you're spending outside of your budget, you're not gonna enjoy it. Yeah, totally. What? How do you think it relates to um, new product? So obviously, the, the price of the the price of basketball NT is is through the roof based on um, Zion and Jarbin in there. Um, we specifically look at sort of NFL. That's that's what we all collect. Mm-hmm. Um, score prices have come out, and the two hundred and fifty dollars a box. Yeah. Now for us, it's very. We see score. I don't know. How it's seen in the States so much, I presume you would see it the same. We see it as very much a sort of entry-level product. Mm-hmm. If When you first get into collecting, scores something you can get into because it's nice and cheap and you can pick it up and what have you. But at those prices per box, it doesn't seem... <laughs> it just seems to have got lost in that, if you know what I mean. It's, not, it's no longer an entry-level product at those prices. Right. I spent, I spent $160 last year on score. That was two boxes of score. And I was happy. That was they were eighty dollars a piece, two hundred and fifty. I mean, that's so. I was looking at them just actually just this afternoon. Uh, the lowest I saw them was one hundred and eighty-five dollars a box. That is insane for that product. I cannot. I can't blame 
Panini and the middleman and everybody else for putting that mark on them because it's just what's happening in the market right now. And people are going to pay those prices if they really want it. I don't know that the NFL rookie classes is, I have my questions about it. Uh, I think Joe, I think Joe Burrow's great. I think, uh, you know, two is going to be, if he, if he's healthy, he's going to be okay. But, you know, I think five wide receivers went in the first round. I don't see, I don't see a lot of skill position. I'm sorry, uh, wide receivers being very, very collectible outside of you know Jerry Rice and 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 you know Michael Irvin. Maybe it's I, I like those guys. I like Henry Ruggs. I like Jerry Judy. I want them to do well. Courtney Sutton is a good. He's a great guy. In 2018, when he was a rookie with the Broncos. Man, I was through the roof. I loved him. He was a local guy. But his cards are just not – they don't demand the price that, you know, say a, a Pat Mahomes or or somebody like that. And it's never going to be comparable. Um, so with a strong, strong rookie class that we had this year, I just don't know if the, all the right names are are in the positions that we, we hope that they are. Now, I, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope Jordan Love – you know, sits, sits on the bench for, in Green Bay, and and two years late, two years from now, he's he's a great he's a great NFL quarterback, and everybody's scrambling and trying to find twenty twenty score football. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I just I don't know. I, there's a lot of questions on the board for me. Yeah, I think for for, for me, it's, it scares me almost into the year of into the year of going and collecting. If that's where we always score. Yeah, I, I don't know where we're going to be with <laughs> everything else, if you know what I mean. That's 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 yet to come. Um, it's debatable. It'd probably be a year picking up singles for me rather than buying any boxes. I think. Yeah, so you know, score score was like I said, it was one eighty five over here, two hundred a box somewhere around there, and contenders draft pick was like three fifteen, three thirty. That's nuts. <laughs> it's absolutely nuts, man. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, and as you said, I, I, I don't personally. Um, I don't think it's sustainable. I think it's got to, it's got to come back at, at some point. It's got to come back to earth, back to think, uh, back to where we expect it. But I hope that it does. I, again, me and you are on the same page. We don't don't think it's sustainable. It's got to come back. But it's really fun to watch it do what it's doing right now too. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, I think just listen to, to uh, a lot of the other podcasts, uh, regular guys, there's about 10 podcasts we all listen to, and nearly every single show is saying the bubble's going to burst, the bubble's going to burst. But we've all been saying it for the last year, but it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and there's all, sooner or later, there's going to be one big almighty pop of that balloon, and a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. And so, car prices are going to crash. Yeah, it's... It, it... If you listen to Brian Gray from Leaf, you know he he's he's been talking about a bubble for at least two years now. Um, I don't maybe I don't know how familiar you guys would be with this, but in the baseball strike in was it ninety three was it ninety three ninety four baseball strike, and uh, card companies had product on their shelves that they had to like they had to get rid of and and, and sell, and they were that stuff just waiting there. And then when baseball finally picked back up. We, what what collectors thought would be a good thing was actually a horrible thing because uh, collectors got like you know fifty products in two months, and it was a complete overload of of the system, and it did not work out as well as as everybody thought. Um, I think coming out of this pandemic, 
the manufacturers need to be smart about how they release product. And I think if they do, it will maintain a healthy relationship between the collector, the end, the end buyer, the end user, and and the, and the hobby itself. In the, in the you know the, when I say the hobby, I mean I mean Panini and Tops and Upper Deck. It'll it'll hopefully maintain a, a, a good relationship between everybody because if they just flood the market, it's going to suck for everybody because there's going to be too much product out and it's going to be too much, uh, you know, going from, you know, from one week to score to next week to, to, to play off. It's not going to work. It's, it's too many, too many, uh, hands all in one bucket. It's not going to work. Have you bought into the, uh, project 2020 have you dabbled at all i have not i've watched it today i'm actually on the fence about it i really like that king griffey jr card that released today have you, you like seen that, that? Yeah. i yeah, do yeah i do as, I a, as a mariners fan i'm i'm collecting the griffey set i got into it late i haven't got the, the early card that is it the king saturday one which is which three weeks ago was selling for about fifteen hundred eight hundred dollars now oh. you can get it for three hundred I'm sure if I wait another six weeks, I'll be able to pick it up for a hundred dollars, which is probably my limit for that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I picked up that that Griffey card today, and that is one roller coaster ride. The Project 2020, without a doubt, isn't it? Man, it's it's been nuts. Uh, I want to talk about this Griffey specifically because people either love this or hate it. I'm a big fan of the beach. I'm going on. I'm going to the beach in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very excited. So I love this Griffey Junior card. Uh, people. Again, either love it or hate it. Uh, this this whole Project Twenty Twenty ride is is it's been. Uh, I think this is a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier with with sneakerhead guys coming into the coming into the uh, market and and doing returns. Uh, yeah. People are not happy about this, and I can see why. If I lost if I lost thousands of dollars on on returns on pre sales, I would not be thrilled either. But uh, returns have been a part of eBay. eBay doesn't do a whole lot uh, in the way of, of protecting the seller, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I, I hate to use the term, but it is what it is. And people are going to have to hopefully come to a happy medium, which is why I this, this is exactly why I don't buy and sell on eBay. I just it, it, it scares me to, to do that. I don't want to have a return for because you've got buyer's remorse. Yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot of that. You can see a lot of that going on at the moment. I mean, um, um, I don't think any of us have bought anything off eBay. I think we've all bought either Tops Direct or mm-hmm. in group. Um, so Project 2020, Facebook group, um, where you've got most of the big sellers anyway from eBay who are doing stuff, who are, who are you know, there's loads of chat today about... Um, a lot of them are blocked at the moment because of the amount of um, cancellations that they've had on their orders on pre- uh-huh. you know, with pre-sales, even though these guys have been around for God knows how many years. Um, we love it It's because it, I love watching the market. I'm not going to spend a load of money because I've got a load of data in front of me that tells me not to. Um, um, but that's quite exciting to watch. And I think you're right. I think that we've, uh, we have a, a healthy amount of um, debate with some colorful language in our chat about... <laughs> what cards we like um, and what cards we do not like. Um, but it's going to be a hell of a ride um, till December now. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, 
I don't shameless plug here. I got F Dot coming up this week on our show. Awesome. I'm showing him. Awesome. I'm really I'm really excited about that. He did a lot of he he did a really good thing with that Jackie Robinson auction uh, with the LA Dodgers uh, yep. for Color of Change, and I'm excited about that. And I I love art. If you guys listen to the show, you know that I love sports art. So the Project 2020 has been a real fine mix of sports cards and sport art for me, and it's it's been a lot of fun watching the conversation. I've kind of stayed out of it just to kind of pay attention to what people are saying. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Blake Jamison on and he was really excited about what was happening as he should be um, because his cards are going through the roof. That's because he's buying but, half of them. You think so? Yeah, apparently <laughs> so. Apparently he's buying like thousands, thousands of them ago. So of his own cards. That's crazy. So. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, I, this is fun, man. In a, in a time when, when we really needed something to hang on to, like in the, in the hobby, and this, who would have known it was going to be Project 2020 top sports art cards, and that was going to drive drive the market for a, a while and, and be the top of the conversation all summer long. You know, it's been, or should I say, all pandemic long, because it, it has been, and it's been a lot of fun. Definitely, the thing that's really got me with it is it. We all t- we talk about sports cards being quite like sort of stocks and shares in that uh-huh. you're tied into what a player's doing um, on a field and that's gonna that's gonna be the impact to the value of your card if you know what I mean it can go up and it can go down if you get stumped for drink driving or doing something stupid the value could go through the floor uh-huh. um, you know that kind of thing and and with with top product 2020 it's been much more evident in that literally they virtually are like stocks and shares for me in terms of yeah. the number that people are buying directly in, in, in impacting how much they're worth and the project runs going up and down and up and down as you know people people get back interested again now that we drop into sort of 10,000 card sales again people start seeing money in it again and, and get back involved it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing it's um yeah it's like day trading right in penny stocks it's <laughs> yeah. uh it's really interesting, and it's really. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't. Again, I hope this is. I hope that this is sustainable. I hope that it it does well, and you know, this branches out. Like, I would love to see this done with Panini and basketball, something re- very relevant to or similar to this. But um, with with the print run out there, and look, what was that? It was the Griffey Shore, right? That what that everybody. Yeah, ninety nine thousand of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I hope, I hope that the bottom didn't fall out of it right then, but it, it kind of did. So let's see what happens now. Like you say, you know, you know, print runs are getting smaller, so hopefully, people will start paying more attention and, and taking it a little more seriously now. I can guarantee there'll be boxes. The, uh... There'll be boxes and boxes of Griffey Shaw turning up at the Beckett offices to be waiting to be graded. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> There are guys okay. on the on the on the on the twenty twenty Facebook group that me and Ryan are frequenting quite a lot now that are that are trying to sell the Keith Shaw Griffey cards in the hundreds, never mind the tens. They've obviously <laughs> bought two, three hundred of it, thinking they were gonna make a fortune. They saw these early cards going for a thousand, two thousand dollars a time. But they've jumped in at the wrong time and now they've got three hundred cards that are worth half what they paid for them, unfortunately. So right. the way it works. It's it's uh yeah it's it's nuts man, I think I think it's gonna this is a good litmus test for where we're at in the hobby as a society and uh, hopefully 
the, the results will hopefully change because right now where we're at with the, with tops 2020 is people getting like we were just talking about getting blocked and and returns and everything hopefully we can get past that pretty soon and we can have a good rest of project 2020 yeah i think i'm the only one ryan said that we've not been buying on ebay i've bought a few on ebay but that's because they've been uh either straight as soon as tops put it out there guys are selling it on there for almost the same price or a couple of dollars cheaper or some of the earlier cards the prices have come down now to 25 dollars a time and if i like it and if i want it i'll get it for that there's not gonna be a return for that because the guy's not looking to make money he's making seven eight bucks a card and he's quite happy with that because it gives him more income to to invest again so you know do you guys i know that you guys are the interviewers here but do you guys have a favorite one so far Favorite one, favorite art, or favorite card? Well, what's your favorite? Well, I'm I, I'm a Gregory Sith fan, and um, I, I think Cal Ripken Jr. is probably the one, my holy grail from that one. I, I haven't got it yet, and I really love that card. Gotcha, I got you. I haven't bought it yet, so I'm, I'm trying to decide what this. I'm telling you, this Griffey might be my first one, so I like it. It, it, it might be the one I go with. The Jackie Robinson was pretty sweet. That, mm-hmm. that that was seriously sweet. Uh, was that Friday? That was that's a nice card. Yeah. yeah. The, I, I, the, the, the Chang Clemente I got last week. That was quite a short print run. That's a really really nice card. I'm really looking forward to see what she comes out with for Griffey in a few weeks' time. I think she. I think she she might be the key to this because she's the only female artist and she's not a sports artist. Like she doesn't she doesn't follow sports. So I think she might be the key that. Like uh, people that brings in other other types of collectors and other art mm. collectors, and they can see her work and be like, oh wow, this is really cool. I've got a couple more questions uh, for you, Eric, on just for, from a personal point of view. Uh-huh. From a collecting, is there one card that you actually regret buying, <coughs> and also one one card you actually regret selling at some point? Um, regret buying. I bought a. I bought a case, a case of 2011 Alan Ginter because it had a mini booklet in it. One, each case had one mini booklet in it, and the booklet I got, I can't even. It was a white sock and an angel, and I can't even remember who they were. And it was a booklet jersey card. And I was I was pissed that I bought that case. Uh, <laughs> totally regret. I, I'm seriously. I bought a case of of. Tops 2011 Tops Alligator to get this booklet card, and I hated myself for it. I could not stand it. Um, so yeah, there's there's your answer for that. Um, re- selling, I pulled the first cut autograph I ever pulled was a Doak Walker autograph from uh 2009 Classics, I 2008 Classics, and um. I, I sold that for like $350. I wish that I had understood who more about Doak Walker and who he was, especially now living back in Texas. Uh, I probably wouldn't have sold that at all. I probably would have kept that. Uh, and he he's an absolute where I live at. And, you know, the Doak Walker Award in college football is named after him, obviously. Uh, it's given to the best running back and like, Getting to learn, getting to know about Do- who Doak Walker was, I regret selling that card. 
is there a, a holy grail card that you've been wanting for years that you just haven't seen appear? No, it's it's the card I was talking about earlier that Rocky Marciano. I see it appear all the time. I just can't pull. I can't bring myself to pull in uh, the the $200 trigger right now. Uh, I, I keep watching for it in, in higher grades. The grades that I see, they're either raw and they're really rough or they're low, you know, they're low grades, you know, one and a half, twos, maybe a three or four sometimes. But I would like to see, I would, so Holy Grail-wise, if I could see it in an eight or a nine and be able to afford to pull the trigger, I think I would. I think one of the boys touched earlier about there's going to be no national this year. Myself and Dan were both booked in to, to go to Atlantic City. They've tentatively said that they're going to have it in December, but we, we all have very severe doubts that actually go ahead. Can you see it going ahead in December? I hope it does. Um, as are, are you guys fathers? Are all three of you guys fathers? Two of us. Okay, all right. So as a father, speaking of father to father, I don't think there's a worse time that they could have scheduled it for. I mean, the only yeah. the only other time that I think would have been worse was was the week of Christmas. Uh, but I I I hope that it I hope it happens, you know. But um, you know, going to New Jersey in the middle of the winter that doesn't sound thrilling to me. <laughs> <laughs> Gets cold in there, down there that time of year, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, man, the industry—that's what I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to one up the national, but the industry summit is set to happen in September in Las Vegas. There's no snow. If you can make it to the industry summit, you can be there. It's definitely something you want to do. That'd be all good, man. It's, uh, I think Dan and I are both going to be in Chicago next year, without a doubt. Dan's got a pass, and I don't have to ask for a pass, so that's good. Uh, I was in Chicago. I was in Chicago last year, and it was it was epic. I think I, I saw you w- walking about there and uh, up on the main stage, but it was just uh, it, it's an incredible experience for for so many reasons. And there's probably about ten or twelve people from the UK went over last year to, to the convention, and they'll probably guys- double that next year. So. If you guys are going to come, let me know. I'll get you a media pass, and you can you don't have to buy. You can get you a media pass. You can come in all four days, and you don't have to worry about buying the ticket. And you can just see you can see the national through the media eyes. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I got a media pass last year. We got in touch with a couple of guys, and uh, uh, Ray Short sorted us out. So it was it was really good to get access before the show started and have a wander around and talk to lots of people there. And sure. yeah, it, it's it's incredible, man. It's something that that everyone should do at least once in their lifetime or it's, once every year, once every year, if you're single like me, <laughs> <laughs> the national is fun. Like in Cleveland is fun. I've never been to New Jersey, but I've heard about it. But like, if you can go to this national in Chicago, it's like, it's the Mecca of the sports card collecting world. And it's you, it's really something to see in Chicago. Uh, I would, I would, in fact, I would venture to tell people go to Chicago first and then go to Cleveland and go to New Jersey. But go to Chicago first and and enjoy it there because it's so much it's so much better almost than the other two sites just because of the feel, the atmosphere of the building and like the sports history in Chicago and uh, what's like there's a nice little area right across the street that has you know there's a lot eateries and everything there that you'll have fine a fine time. It's it's fun to do. 
Awesome. Can you can you ever see them move to the national West Coast at some point? Because there's a lot of guys on the blowout forums. <coughs> it's not fair. It's always Chicago, Cleveland, Atlanta City needs to be moved out to the West Coast. So here's the thing. Two things. It's been on the West Coast before, and I was I was not going to those shows. Uh, but you know they did decent. I think Anaheim was uh, the the hot spot for it, which is outside of LA, about an hour, uh, well, two hours of traffic. And then here's the thing with the national. And I know this to be true because I'm not on the board, but I know people who are on the board. And when they set the schedule for those, for those shows. So every year at the national, there's a meeting of the board members and they can vote on where to have the next venue. Okay. The problem is, is some of those board members don't show up. So the, the people that vote, vote for the places that they, they, the rotation. If people were to, if some of the board members were to show up and vote, it might not be in Atlantic, Atlantic City or Cleveland. It might be in, it might be in Anaheim. It might be in San Francisco. I can't say that for sure, 100% certain, but I, I do know that if they don't have, they don't show up to vote and voice their opinion, then the chances of it happening are, are, are slim to none. Excellent. Well, we, we've taken up 45, 50 yeah. minutes of your time, already, Eric. <coughs> we really appreciate it. Uh, definitely a legend in the hobby. Uh, legend to all of us three. And I know a lot of people in the UK that listen to your show and, and admire your work. And uh, yeah, without a doubt, Chicago next year, we'll definitely be there, myself and Dan. So we'll uh, meet up with you and, and share a few tales over a cold beverage or two at some point, I'd imagine. So, Awesome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. No Thanks, problem. Buddy. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Thanks for your time, mate. It's been brilliant. So, thanks to Eric for giving us his time. Uh, we messed him around a few times because Ryan couldn't quite work out the 24-hour clock and the time zone. <laughs> so, we were speaking to him at some point between 9 o'clock tonight and 3 o'clock tomorrow morning, but we managed to get it to work in the end. So, guys, what are your takeaways from the uh, interview of Eric? Uh, let's go to you, Ryan. Um, I think that obviously we, we've listened to Eric talk about quite about hobby quite a lot, but it was such so good to see that we're on the same wavelength for a lot of stuff, um, um, particularly in terms of the insight into the market at the moment. Uh, I think we all agree that the the bubble will burst at some point. Dan, what's your takeaway, fella? I uh, I find it quite interesting the sort of um, the stuff we learned about about Beckett and about you know how sort of into collecting they all are. I thought there might have been. Might have been a bit more of a, you know, it's just a job kind of thing. But it does seem that it does seem that everybody there is into it as well. So yeah, that was cool. I think it's interesting to find out as well. There's only like between fifteen and twenty graders working there. When you've got people submitting like thousands of cards at a time, they're probably getting about thirty, forty thousand cards a day backing up there. I'm not sure how long it takes someone to, to grade a card, but what would you say? Five minutes per card. <laughs> Less. I did. I did hear a stat about it once, and it was um, a scarily short figure. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how true it was, but it was sort of in the in the double seconds, like forty-five seconds, sixty seconds kind of range. Wow, seems, seems a bit crazy to me. And is it always just just one grade, or does it go from one grader who gives his grade that goes to another one, he confirms the grade, or is it just I, one grade? I, I, Some absurd. Something we should have asked Derek, which we'll ask him when he comes back on for his next guest appearance. So we'll say. <laughs> no, Derek was a re- really nice guy, gave us lots of his time. Uh, 
obviously, as you guys have, have heard, he said at the national next year, he's going to meet up with any of us that go there, get us a media pass, which is uh, which is always handy because you can't beat a little little bit of free admission, can you, Dan? Being a snake, well, no, yeah, you know, you know, pay for another couple of beers, won't it? Huh? <laughs> Certainly will. There'll be there'll be one or two of those next uh, next July in uh, in Chicago again. That's where we're going to do it. So, so that's it for episode twenty three. Episode 24, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. We've got some uh, more guest interviews lined up. Ryan's been very busy tapping up celebrities, minor celebrities, and and people somewhere in the middle of that. So thanks to Ryan for for putting that together, for getting Eric on. Me and Dan both appreciate all the hard work he's gone to over the last couple of weeks sorting that out. So until episode 24, which hopefully will be in the next 10 to 14 days after this one has dropped, uh, from me, Brian, and from my co-hosts, Ryan and Dan, final words, gentlemen. Uh, happy collecting thanks for listening guys job done we'll be back with episode 24 before you know it